it's basketball season and we've got you covered. The Ringer NBA show breaks down the latest and greatest around the league five days a week. Check out The Ringer NBA show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Can you hear the siren going off? I can't, no. Okay, fine. It's coming for your takes. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast, Ringer FC. I'm Mr. Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? Loifed. Loifed, loifed, loifed. <laughs> how are you doing? Uh, I'm good, I'm good. I had a very nice yeah. time uh, on the riverbank, hanging out with a friend of mine, Andrew. Shout out to Andrew, the head honcho of the Unicorns. Couple of nice beers. Only word of advice to all listeners. Um, as you all know, for those of you who drink anything of an alcoholic, uh, with alcoholic content, not all of you do, of course, apart from that. When you're sitting on a riverbank. Are you really going to do this? I would just say that everyone. That's what I'm saying. No one can see this, but I'm pulling the why though face. <laughs> you could feel it coming, couldn't you? You could be like, if you're going to drink mm. anything like that on a hot day, then just alongside you. <laughs> That's my intro done. <laughs> Staring into the ether. Stadio podcast. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. <laughs> shorts out yet? Yes, actually. You haven't? Yeah, shorts out yesterday. It's 27 degrees, Ryan. Yeah. It was 27 degrees yesterday. I mean, I was it out. Was. It, it was. It, it yes. jumped. And um, to be fair to you, maybe you weren't out because I know you I was been out. I was out. I went out for a walk and I shorts. wore long trousers and a t shirt and a cap. Very German of you. I didn't have my Birkenstocks on. Okay, fair enough. I wasn't sure. You never know. The mental picture was always there. Save yeah. those. <laughs> my emotional weather is uh, not so good. Um, oh no, what's up? Well, a uh, couple of people really going through very tough times. A very good friend from law school uh, passed, which is, a, oh, yeah. I think a couple of him, people who knew him probably listened to this as well. So shout out to them, all of them going through it, the family. And 
Yeah, also like some really bad workplace discrimination going on in relation to race, which has affected someone very close to me as well. I was going to say, not our workplace. What have I done? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I appreciate, I appreciate the fact that you have not no platform to me, Ryan. I really appreciate the fact that you value my freedom of speech. You're running for London Mayor. Is that what you're going to Yes. Yeah, so do you know, it's one of those ones where it's like, it's a difficult week and actually grateful to football for providing some respite because there's some great action this weekend. So it's quite nice to be able to sink myself into this. And I said to Andrew, actually, we're so lucky having football to cover and think about because it gives us all these stories. Every week you've got new narratives to kind of like sink yourself into. That's really funny actually, because um, I, was, I was thinking the total opposite and how really, I was trying to, trying to navigate my escape to cover F1. One race every fortnight on the whole, rare that you get back-to-back races. Seems very chill to me. It seems like something I could manage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on a serious note though, with everything that's going on still. I think it's important just to realise that, you know, I think people, I think I've mentioned it a couple of times on here, but, you know, people listen to us twice or three times a week and hear us kind of mucking about and think that everything's yeah. chipper. And uh, just maybe, yeah, everyone's got, a lot of people are going through stuff that they're maybe not publicly sharing and bear that in mind. And I hesitate to talk about that. Yeah, I hesitate to talk about that stuff. Yeah, At the same time, I just thought it, it is, yeah, it's real, isn't it? It's just real. Yeah. And That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Thinking of everyone who's going through stuff at the moment and hope everyone's staying as safe and well as possible. Some admin, usual, the ringer.com forward slash soccer. You've got a piece going up this week. Yeah, yeah, that's should be up right. today, right? Yeah, it should be actually. Oh my god, I had a bit of a nightmare. So I wrote the wrote it completely, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, um, how how did it's getting along?" And I was like, "I haven't sent it. I'd literally done all the edits and hadn't sent it for two days." Oh no! I'd, it's just my brain is, and I was like, "These are things that I just wouldn't normally do." When you're there, are things that I just, and also there's a weird thing happened as well, Ryan, in relation to the perception of time. I, I think I tweeted about it. I didn't realize it was the seventh of May of all of a sudden. Like it had just leapt the end of the month for some reason, just accelerated so fast. And all of a sudden was 7th of May. And I was like, what even happened here? Like, because there's nothing to tether what we're going through to the outside world because, you know, stuff is not open, for example. Like it was so funny because like we had our first bit of summer weather and I'm like, I can't get summer stuff from anywhere because it's like, you know, it's not a big problem. Nothing's open. So there's like, a thing called the internet that might come in handy. You can do some online shopping. They even deliver it to you, Musa. Tell you what, I bought a great, a great set of all of socks online. Actually, I got very excited. Okay, what, really? We're going. Sorry. Yeah, let, yeah. let's let's talk about football. Let's talk football. <laughs> We've got all of this to go through. And you talk about the socks that you bought online. Sorry. <laughs> Let me do the admin. God damn it! Not that kind of admin. <laughs> uh, other admin. Yeah, Stadio Outro's playlist on Spotify. If you want to listen to all the music we play out on each episode, it's in a nice playlist on Spotify. Newest one at the top. Search for Stadio Outros. Um, our theme music is for sale. We're donating all the money. If you want to go to stadio.bandcamp.com, it's minimum three euros. You can pay what you want. And we're donating all the money from that. Wright's house on Wednesday. Me and Carl are on this week. And yeah, if you do listen to a podcast on an app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. You're very kind. There is a lot to get through. So we thought today we would do a whiz through Europe. Let's do it. It's been a while since anyone's really been allowed to whiz through Europe. Well, yes, exactly. Particularly if, anyway, not to get to that. Because <laughs> there was a lot that was sorted out this weekend. It was. And there was a lot that wasn't. So we'll get on to all of the football after this. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, man, let's start in England. Chelsea won the Women's Super League, back-to-back titles for Emma Hayes. They won it on the last day of the season, absolutely hammering. Reading 5-0. Man City finished just two points behind. What can we say? Okay, so great piece by Katie Wyatt in The Athletic. Uh, We're checking out for those subscribers who haven't already. Emma Hayes, what can we say? Chelsea, what can we say? This team is extraordinary and it's utterly complete and they keep challenging themselves to get better. You look at this team, they have the brilliant Beth England scoring regularly for them last year and they bring in Sam Kerr. And then Sam Kerr develops an incredible relationship with Frank Kirby. They've now scored over 50 goals together. That partnership's worth over 50 goals in all competitions. That is unbelievable. 37 in the league between them. Sam Kerr finished the season as the top goal scorer in 20, with 21. Frank Kirby, 16. She was the third top goal scorer. And unbelievable, also man. the third yeah. top assist maker in the league. So Frank Kirby finished the season top three goals and top three assists. Extraordinary player. The front line actually is funny because that stat line reflects the fluidity of the way those front three operate, Harder, Kerr mm. and Kirby. You know, this is the thing, thinking about the Champions League obviously in 16th, we'll come back to the league in a split second, but the decisiveness of the finishing in that front three is what to me gives them the slight edge actually. You know, the slight, at the moment anyway, just in terms of how decisive they are the three of them and how they just make space for each other. This Chelsea performance, 5-0, it was a procession. It's funny because it's a two-point margin in the league, but in a way, I mean, Emma Hay said afterwards, they're leading the whole way Mm. and they couldn't take this from them. Obviously stuck with a lot of talk about, oh yeah, you only won on points per game. She's like, well, no one can say anything now. This was a demonstration from Chelsea and even the scoreline, 5-0 over Reading, good side, good mid-table side. It was the decisiveness of champions and they won this game, the style, even the assists, the goals, the playmaking. Melanie Loopholes coming in and scoring with the opening goal. Even the goal scorers, looking at this, the, the score sheet is a testament to how well they've integrated the squad and the new members. Everyone has come in and contributed at a high level. It's, it's a remarkable side, this one. I mean, if you think that Manchester City signed absolute elite level kind of talents and they still couldn't, nab Chelsea to the title. I think City's opening run of fixtures immediately set them on the back foot. They had that, was it draw to Reading they had? Was it, was was it Birmingham? Red, Brighton. Was Brighton, it Brighton, it was Brighton, Brighton sorry. Yeah, you're yeah, right. yeah. Brighton yeah. draw really early on in the season. Yeah. Was it first game maybe? Second, I think. They couldn't get fired. Yeah. First they, second, they couldn't fire. And that, and that ended up being the difference, if you think about it, the two yeah. points difference. I mean, Arsenal deserves some props as well for creeping back into the top four spot, considering that, you know, Joe Montemore has now left Arsenal as his last game this weekend. And he's done a brilliant job at Arsenal since he's been there, despite some slightly confusing moments in terms of obsession with small squads and stuff like that. And Arsenal have had a really dreadful injury record under him. But getting back into the top three, qualifying, obviously, because the Champions League spots have been extended this year. They go into a, the qualifying rounds in August, especially when Manchester United looked. I mean, Manchester United were top of the table for a while. Right, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been an amazing Super League season. And I think that the strength at the top of the league 
and the, I think the mid-table has strengthened as well. Everton as well, shout out to them. Yeah, Everton have done a lot of damage really to teams this season. Yeah. Obviously, we've mentioned Casey Stoney numerous times on this on this podcast and on Wright's House and how strong they were for ages this season at Manchester United, I think. This year for Chelsea, this is a big, 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 big title win. I mean, every title win is big, but I think that considering the amount of predators that were out there right, to right. prey upon of Chelsea, course. they've handled it amazingly well and yeah they've they've got a really stacked squad but they've also had some nasty injuries themselves and like Frank Kirby coming back from a from a horrible condition playing herself back into full fitness it would have been very easy to even forget about or not even consider Frank Kirby's involvement this season at the start of the season because you just didn't know what kind of player she was going to come back as and look at Rose Lavelle you can't simply add amazing players and it all works out this is you know you've mentioned this as well several times but some might say, oh, you just had great players and you win. Well, no, it's not like that at all. No, it's not like management that. has been yeah. key. The integration of Chelsea's new pieces has been absolutely outstanding. And then also you've got like GC Yon, who's played back into, into, into form and into prominence, you know, a time when it looked like she was maybe dropping out of the rotation to a little extent. And then the injury to Marin Mielder. To come to a team like Bayern without Marin Mielder in the mix is a big deal. And to maintain intensity after such a gruelling victory such an intense victory was really impressive to close up the league like that because a slip and City would have been in and a slip was entirely possible. Mm-hmm. It was entirely possible. Um, so props to Emma Hayes. I'm sure we'll talk about more her more on Wright's house. You mentioned Bayern then. Let's quickly go to Germany because this was a league that wasn't sorted out this weekend. Right, right. Yeah, it wasn't. Bayern drawing with Wolfsburg in the biggest fixture of the weekend, which means that the league will go down to the wire in Germany. Yeah. Um, now, so Bayern were two points ahead before this game, went over to Wolfsburg. And the bad news for Wolfsburg before kickoff was Alex Pop was out with knee injury. Mm. Um, and Pop, well, the most important player for Wolfsburg, really, one that knits all together. And, you know, this game was, um, they had two very good chances in the first half, Wolfsburg, uh, through Engen. Engen's a defence midfielder, really, so, but still has an eye for goal. So it was a slight, uh, slightly disappointing that she didn't get better contact than either of the chances and could take in the lead of Wolfsburg. And they paid for that because Sydney Lohmann, who's been exceptional year, scored the opener, bad freak to concede deep in the Wolfsburg half. Well, uh, near the halfway line, sorry. And um, Oberdorf couldn't get to it sufficiently and Lohmann put it in at the near post. And the thing about this game, which Wolfsburg drew because it was a one-all draw late on, Pyle got a late equaliser, thing about this game was Bayern always felt like they had an extra gear. Mm. I know it's the cliche, but they were always kind of containing Wolfsburg. And Berenstein, I've got to say specifically for Bayern, has been brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. The last two years, whenever I've seen her, her ability to like just hit the touchline and penetrate on the break against deep line defences. And the thing with Wolfsburg that just concerned me a bit was they didn't have the extra to get over the line. Yeah, right? I mean, this is the Does thing. that make sense? Yeah, I mean, Bayern need, just did, didn't need to lose, basically. Right, And right. I think you, and Wolfsburg absolutely needed to win to, to, well, I mean, they would have leapfrogged Bayern in the table with two games to go. And I think this is the thing, this is the only, this is only the second game of the season where Bayern have dropped points um, after that defeat to Hoffenheim. Yes, yes. Strange defeat, yeah. Which was really, really strange. The thing I want to say about Wolfsburg is a bit of a worry. What I will say this, Ryan, is like, we've talked about the kind of the drain of players, like they're going to lose Engen this summer as well, who's been a big player for them from defence midfield. And she just came to replace Gunnar's de Tier. Mm-hmm. There's a high turnover for a team like Wolfsburg because it's a weird thing where they can attract the quality of player within Germany then get preyed upon 
And I just worry because their attack doesn't get them out of jail enough. Even after they got the equaliser, it was still biting at the upper hand. On yeah, the especially since they lost Penilla Harder. That's a big, huge, big yeah, huge loss. Yeah. So yeah, see how that plays out for them. Chelsea's Champions League final opponents, Barcelona wrapped up the league in Spain with, yeah, yeah. I think they still have eight games to play. <laughs> that team. It was never really in doubt. It was never in doubt from about <laughs> five games into the season, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. But um, their record is played 26, won 26, scored 128, conceded five. So they have a goal difference of plus 123 in 26 games. I think we'll probably save whether this is a good thing for La Liga as a whole because I think if the, the most I I don't think it's a massive surprise that Barca have been on this run this season. Mm. I think the most surprising thing about the Primera is that Atleti is seventh, and this is a side who were one of the dominant forces in La, in the Primera in recent history. You know, Tony Duggan left Barca to go to Atleti the, the year they won the league, and they've not won it since. And I think that the drop off from Atleti obviously tack on being bought by Real Madrid and Real Madrid Femenino are now third um, and look set to secure a Champions League spot. Levante is second. They've been causing all kinds of trouble, Levante, they haven't really they? have, in, across <laughs> the men's and women's. <laughs> well, Barcelona, I think now, I've said this before, but are a couple of years further along in their development and their process, yeah. like they, they really wanted to be like Lyon. Yes. And that Champions League final, as I've said before, came a couple of years ago, came just... A, a couple of years too early for them. But there's a risk here that the Primera could again just become like a dom- like dominated by one team and there's a huge drop off to the rest. And I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, Atleti have got some rebuilding to do. But um, in terms of. I almost of the, feel like it's a formative thing, though, maybe, because you look at like. I think you always yeah. get this inequality in the formative stages. Yeah. It? Yeah. I, I agree. And. Um, but yeah, I mean, conceding five. <laughs> a goal difference of 123 in 26 games is absolutely wild so well, what I'll say is it was very hard to tell how good Barca was because they were blowing teams away yeah. and then I saw them in the Champions League and it was weird because it was hard to, you know you can't gauge with those results mm. and then when you see them in full flow you're like yeah they're, they're, they're terrifying <laughs> yeah they really really are quickly before we move on from the women's stuff let's go to the States Portland Thorns beat Gotham FC on penalties on Saturday yeah. to win the NWSL Challenge Cup Two absolute dons with the goals in the game, showing these young uns how it's uh, how it's done. <laughs> young bloods, Christine, <laughs> Christine Sinclair opened the scoring after eight minutes. Actually, this was when uh, Carly Lloyd gave the ball away to Christine Sinclair, and she kind of just whacked it home from outside the box. Carly Lloyd with the equaliser, half an hour with half an hour to go, and um, yeah, the Thorns have won the Challenge Cup. I need to keep an eye on Gotham FC as well, actually, for all kinds of reasons. Primarily, I think it's a big hire for them having Carly Lloyd, but also the way they've built the club and the branding, there's quite a lot of enthusiasm around them, actually. One of the things I'm looking forward to when the world opens up again, if and when, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years from now, uh, catch uh, Gotham FC live, be quite fun. Great win for Portland there. They continue their, um, their prominence, their dominance. Yeah, I mean, they went through the whole tournament und- undefeated. and. That's big for the Thorns. Yeah. So props to Portland. And um, the NWSL opens next week, the regular season. It's back. Before we go to the Premier League, because we yeah. want to talk about some Premier League stuff, obviously, because it was a big weekend in the Premier League. This is the thing about this, this week's podcast. We could have done an hour or so on any one league this week. You could have. We could have. Honestly. Let's go to the Bundesliga super quick. Bayern wrapped up their ninth title in a row without kicking a ball. 
Leipzig's defeat in Dortmund meant that the title was going to Bayern before they even kicked off against Gladbach on Saturday evening in the top spiel der Woche. Let's talk about the Dortmund-Leipzig game very quickly because this was this was a fun game. Yes. The interesting thing I thought about this was that it meant that Dortmund had done the double over Leipzig this season. They've also done the double over Wolfsburg, who were the other sides in the Champions League spots. And now, because Eintracht drew with Mainz on Sunday, Dortmund's Champions League qualification is now in their own hands. Mainz, by the way, the only side in the Bundesliga with a better run of form at the moment is Borussia Dortmund than Mainz in the entire Bundesliga in the last five games. The Bundesliga really confuses me, actually, sometimes. It really... <laughs> Why? It doesn't give me what I want. It gives me what I need. Best of Liga developed. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. Zweite Bundesliga. Best of Liga developed. <laughs> Which we actually... We have, I actually have to talk about something from the Zweite Bundesliga in a minute. But yeah, uh, two for Sancho, two assists for Guerrero, and uh, Marco Royce with the opener. Lovely goal. Much like the uh, the top spiel in the Premier League this weekend, this was a precursor to a final. RB Leipzig and Dortmund will play in the German Cup final. And I think, hmm, it's tricky, but I think Nagelsmann needs to win that. Otherwise, I think that the two years at Leipzig might go down as being a bit disappointing. Leipzig could have got a league title last year. And I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right, actually, because Nagelsmann, trophies matter to him. We'll put it this way. I mean, there was a piece that Matt Ford and Jonathan Harding wrote for DW. And one of the things that they pointed out in there is that Leipzig have the highest net spend of the Bundesliga in the last few years. And I think it raises questions. The tricky thing is that it's quite hard to gauge because Bayern is such a juggernaut. But I do think that if they don't, if, if Lagosman doesn't win that Pokal final, there will be question marks raised whether his time at Leipzig has been overall a success or not. And I'm not saying it hasn't mm. because I do think he's you know, he's lost Timo Werner, who was their main goal threat last season, and he still managed to maintain or keep Leipzig in the hunt for a title push. They've got to a cup final, back in the Champions League, no problem. But yeah, I do wonder whether if, you know, if you look at the state of the Bundesliga this season and you look at how Bayern have not been, I don't think Bayern have been at their best this year for, for large periods of the season. Right, agreed. Yeah. Had a number of injury problems. As we've mentioned before, I think that Things are gonna things are gonna be super interesting next year because of the turnover of this is actually something else that Jonathan and Matt wrote, I think, in the piece, but something we've mentioned before as well about how it's gonna be all over the place next season because there's so much change in the top six. And Bayern, I think for Bayern it might get a little bit worse before it gets better. But anyway, I'm not I'm not I'm not sure I'm really set on whether it well, is the, or whether it is. Well, no, this there was definitely a moment. History books won't record this because they just show the tables, but they won't show just how much Bayern were there for the taking. Yeah, and I think the funny thing is, is that when Dortmund kind of blew that lead a couple of years ago, it was massive news and everyone was just like, what a failure, what a fuck up kind of thing. Like Lucien Favre, you know, should probably go and all this stuff. Same thing hasn't really been directed at Leipzig. No. Two years on the bounce now. Do you know what I mean? That's about something else though, I think. I think there's also something going on, which is that... Narrative. Yes, but also, it's also don't forget the number of ex-players who are pundits now. So there's a lot more echo chamber. It's like with Man City struggle or stumble. There aren't that many Man City, ex-Man City pundits. So, and the club doesn't have that much of a... You know, the, the fan base doesn't have the kind of um, influence and voice that allows that conversation to continue and scrutiny to continue. In Dortmund, absolutely huge fan base, reach, 
And so Leipzig kind of can go under the radar a little bit. They can prepare their league title. And this is the, th- the thing about Nagelsmann, the big sort of question is, how does he then cope? You know, we know he's Bavarian, it's from there, all the rest of it. But like to cope with that kind of constant scrutiny where everyone's coming for you every week. You know, I Leipzig has some it, really... Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to cut in, but I think it's yeah. going to be interesting, yeah, as sure. we mentioned before, about like if they hit Apache run of form right. and how that whole dynamic works between him and Salah Hamazic and Oli Khan and Rummenigge and all of these people uh, that are like right, that, I think that's... Of course. That's where it's time to get the popcorn out. Right, no, agreed, completely agreed. Because there are some tactical things that he's done this year. They're taking some big, big losses, Leipzig. And at Bayern, you can't get away with those experiments. Let's talk about Bayern quick. So they hammered Gladbach 6-0, hat-trick for Lewandowski, two in a penalty. And it means that he, with two games to go, he's got, he's one goal short of Gerd Müller's 40-goal Bundesliga season record. This is having missed four weeks yes. of the season with an injury. That yes. is unbelievable. Um, I think he'll do it. I think he'll break it, personally. They've got, uh, Freiburg away next and then they finish the season against Augsburg at home I can't see Lewandowski not scoring two goals in across those two fixtures I mean Freiburg are on a really weird run of form like they won away at, Col- at Köln on the weekend 4-1 but then they lost 3-0 to Hertha the other day Hertha by the way are planning the great escape the big city <laughs> escape <laughs> I mean it's hard to say when you've had like four draws and a and one win in the last five games, but they're undefeated in six. The last game they lost was away at Dortmund in March, uh, a couple of weeks before they hit their big Corona quarantine in April. So bear in mind that they had a break. They had a backlog of fixtures. They have a game in hand on Augsburg above them, uh, which is against Schalke. If they win that, I think they're good because obviously Schalke are down. Cologne look like they're set to go down as well and Armenia in the playoff spot they're only level on points with Bremen if Hertha beat Schalke I would really really worry about Bremen but back to the the, yeah we were saying back to Bayern so yeah Freiburg away and then Augsburg at home and I think Lewandowski's going to do it just a quick thing I mean Gladbach losing 6-0 the Bundesliga does this where it announces changes in management and it doesn't always lead to this drop off I just think it's the particular circumstances of Rosa going where he's going. And the fact those two clubs were kind of, you know, the, not only regional competitors, but competing in the league. I think that's a sort of a unique situation, but it, it really hasn't panned out well, has it? Um, no, I mean, they beat Dortmund in January. Mm. And I think it was either the week after or the week after that, that they announced Rosa was going to, to Dortmund. They didn't win a single game in the league in February until the 20th of March. They beat Stuttgart in the Pokal early February. But also, I think that the Champions League took a lot out of them this season. Gladbach Gladbach didn't have the size of squad that anyone else really in the top four did, I don't think. Not even Eintracht. I think Eintracht's squad overall is probably deeper than Frankfurt's. Maybe not. Maybe sometimes it doesn't have the... I mean, you're, you're a big fan of the top end of Gladbach's squad. I still think that there are at least three or four better squads in the Bundesliga than theirs. But the Bundesliga has been all over the place this season. I mean, you look at how Wolfsburg is set to only qualify for the Champions League for the third time in their history this season. Um, Dortmund were out of the Champions League spots for ages. Look like they're set to qualify. It would have been uh, Eintracht. If Eintracht still do it, they might still do it because ne- you, ne- you never fucking know with Dortmund. But it would be Eintracht's first uh, Champions League qualification and their first 
for years. First European Cup qualification for years. Amazing. So yeah, all over the place in the Bundesliga. I think because we've given Hansi Flick so many props this season, we haven't really given him props for the job that he's done at Bayern, which, yes, they're Bayern. Yes, they're the biggest club in Germany. Yes, they're an absolute powerhouse. Yes, it's their ninth in a row. But when he took over, I'll repeat this over and over again. When he took over from Niko Kovac, Bayern were a mess. Bayern were in such a mess that we said on a podcast, and I have no problem repeating this because I think it goes to highlight the job that he's done there. We genuinely questioned at the time whether Bayern would have come top four in the Premier League because they were all over the place. They'd just been hammered by Eintracht 5-1. Yeah. And they looked a mess. They looked a total mess when Kovac uh, left. Since Flick's come in, I mean, it's the first time I think Bayern have won that many trophies in in that amount of time anyway. He's, He's done an incredible job. There. With and very kind of Jupp Heynckes demeanour as well. Yeah, well, you know, in terms of like, yeah. midfielder, he knows the place. Mm. I would have been interested to see how things may have been different if they'd had a different sporting director there. I wonder whether someone a little more, let's say, placid. Collaborative. Collaborative. Yeah, then Salah Hamazic see how that might have gone. But also, that's not Flick's job. Flick's job is trainer you know he's a head a chef trainer as they say in Germany he's a head coach he's not a, a manager he wanted to extend some players but I think the resale value of them probably wasn't worth it for Bayern and I get that this new era for Bayern I think is an interesting one but he's done an amazing job and yeah. he's going to do an amazing job at the DFB you know in addition to all of this football yes do you want to do this weekend Call your mother? No, because it, it was English Mother's Day in March. So. Well, just generally, don't you have to wait for Mother's Day to call Actually, your mother? Actually, my mum was supposed to call me. She didn't. Ha <laughs> ha. I watched The Fellowship of the Ring. Oh no, that's my fault, isn't it? Because you decided that I've not got enough work to do. <laughs> and um, decided to succumb to the pressure of people yes. tweeting at you, talking about doing a Lord of the Rings special. Who was it? Is it Anu Nande who was like, ah, oh, petition for Stadio to do a Lord of the Rings, footballers and managers as Lord of the Rings characters. And I replied, don't, don't tempt us. And then people were like, you have to, you have to, you have to. And I was like, great. I've got to spend a billion hours rewatching these movies. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> reading the fucking books. No way. Sorry. <laughs> no way. Um, yeah, so I watched the first one. Is it good? <laughs> Hold up well. Mm. Oh no! Oh dear. Okay. I mean, can I, can I, can I come out with a take? Yeah, sure. I was never really the biggest fan, anyway. It's fair enough. And so far, one of the trilogy in. I'm. I'm, I think it's me, like Pep's Barca. People are going to say, like years later, people like I shouldn't really enjoy watching Pep's Barca. Pep's Barca's the wire. Is it though? It only goes bad in the last season. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) No, 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 no! It doesn't though. It doesn't. It doesn't. Here's the weird thing. Who was I talking to it wasn't yesterday bad, about this? But it wasn't the best. The, fi- the, the final season wasn't the best, but the rest of the seasons were some of the best we've ever seen. I was there you a go. chat about this though, but the sale of Eto is the weirdest thing still. It's still the weirdest thing ever. Oh, I thought we were on the wire. Well, no, but you know, but, but that, that season, it never had to be, like we've said this before, Biff, we don't talk enough about the fact that Pep sold Eto. Yeah, we and did. What it did to we that team it was the worst transfer of all time. Well, we can't of. talk about it. No, but I, we can't talk about it enough. We can't. We can't. Like, 
I'm obsessed with this now because I'm like, if he doesn't sell him, he just gets to leave Barca a year early. You know what Pep Salonetto is? It's McNulty's serial killer thing. It is. It's like, what are you doing? Why is this? It is, it is, this it is, is, it is so random. Like, it's like, what? Hang on, this isn't. This is what you're usually so good at. This. What is this? Can I think of this? Why we get because we're on Premier League now, but why we get to Premier League? So watching Pep walk around with his um, open arms hoodie on on the sidelines, and I know that this is a thing you talked about a lot. The kind of like dress code of managers. You watch Pep all buttoned up and severe for Barca and intense, and you see him relaxed in his. I know they lost two one to City the weekend. We'll talk about that right now. But I'm just thinking my goodness, how much more relaxed do you look at City? You can just coach. I mean, wouldn't you, if a club had spent billions of pounds building an infrastructure to tempt you in the first of place? Of course, of, absolutely. I'm just saying like- Pep, Pep, is like, Pep is like the managerial equivalent of when a couple on Grand Designs finally gets to move into their house. Right, exactly. They've been living in exactly. a caravan outside the building site that they've been building the house for two and a half years. And there's mm. a thing, like, people always decide to have children on Grand Designs whilst they're building this massive house project. <laughs> I'm like, have you not got enough shit to do right now? It's just like, you want to have kids? <laughs> That's it. That's what Pep is. Pep at City is like, finally, when Kevin McLeod goes back to revisit the couple however long later and they're like and he shows them around the house and it's that's that's a great analogy because I look I'm surprised at he's not I'm dressed like, like the dude from the big Lebowski to be honest well but he virtually I mean by I suppose if you look at the way he dressed while coach Abasa and now there was always a side of me I don't know why it was but I always look at Pep and goes do you do you really enjoy all that intensity of everything or do you just like the training ground do you just like the coaching and the the cones and the tactics and the spaces and the shapes you know Pep loves being on the training ground and he loves being in his basement. And I don't think he enjoys that much in between. And now at City, he can really strip everything back to just those elements. And that's why, you know, look, you see how much he's there. Like now he's been there, what, longer than any other club he's been at. He'll probably extend. And I was looking at the ages as well. Like Tuchel, what, well, Pep's 50, Tuchel's 47, Klopp's 53. Pep could just be in his sweet spot for a while. He could just go on working with that lot for a while, you know. Uh, you didn't mention Ollie. How old Ollie? 48. He's 48. Thank you. He's 48, I think. Yeah, yeah, Are yeah. Are you talking about the elite? Talk about the elite. I... I'm trolling you. Carry on. <laughs> you don't need to go there. He's doing a great job. We know. But there are still better coaches out there. Two things can be true. Yeah, that, that's true. That's also true. I mean, I don't know why you would get rid of him at the moment, personally. No, no, no. Of course not. Of course not. So yeah, I just think Pep could just really carry on there for a while. And actually, while we segue to that, so Premier League, big game, Chelsea beat Man City 2-1. In Manchester. This is going to send Pep. It West. did. Now, I, don't now, here's Pep, the thing. I don't think Pep's coming out of his basement until the cup final. So I tweeted, actually, this is significant to have beaten City twice. And someone replied, and said, oh, look at all the changes. I was like, yeah, but the team that City put out is still good enough to come top two in the league. Like win the league or come top Chelsea two or win the league. Hard yeah, well. right. They did. So um, this is really bad. And you could see the frustration, the anger from Pep, the lack of decisiveness from City in attack, um, Sergio Aguero not having his best day, but neither, well, none of them had their best days actually um, in that team. And now I think the problem is it is psychological. It is important that they've done this twice. It is important that Timo Werner has found space between both sets of fullbacks. Timo Werner needs to get on side, man. He does, he does. That's it really, isn't it? Because, like, the thing is, for his second goal that was disallowed, he could have scored the exact same same goal if he just trotted back on side very quickly. 
Eagerness. Eagerness. Just uh, because he's playing, I think he's playing really well, Timo Werner. I think he's been playing really well for a while, but apart from some of the goals stuff, the finishing. But I think the first offside or the disallowed goal for offside, I don't really think it was his fault because it was sent back in so quick. Mm. The second one, where he runs through the middle, he just needs to trot back on side because he's got so much space though. You, you see the difference between, I mean, maybe he'll get there, but the absolute top level strikers. Yes. They're thinking two or three passes ahead and they, they know that this could come to them. It's that anticipation. He's like a full starting sprinter. That's what he's like. He's like a full starting sprinter. He's just too fast out the blocks. I don't think he's under-focused. I think he's over-focused and he's not letting it flow. Like I was talking about, um, chat with Andrew about Rude Hullet the other day and how when Rude Hullet was at his peak, there was such an elegance. Like when he got, he took the first touch and the first touch like an invitation. Like, mm. oh, here's a proposition to the ball. We'd like to be hit cross-field or just sit into the channel. And watching Hullet, there was always such a kind of um, an elegance and a contemplation to the play. He felt like he was imposing himself on the game. And with Werner, you feel like the game is being imposed on him. You see it in patches with Werner, actually. You see it when he's assisting, because when he's assisting, he's finding the spaces in between. And it's almost like that selflessness. He is a selfless player. It's like, I'm a draw wide, cut and contribute. And that is when he's actually most in the flow. When you see Werner like assisting players, it's almost like, take what you're doing there and apply that to your finishing and you're, you're going to be fine. You only big up Rude Hullet because he bigged up your jacket. <laughs> oh, did he? No, oh, I have I met- no. Have I mentioned that? I swear to God, if you mention Brazil, um, there will be <laughs> workplace discrimination. I swear <laughs> to God, if you mention Brazil one more time. <laughs> Black British poet, Mr. Kwonga was silent in his own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing to do with his skin colour. It's because he keeps talking about fucking Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> starting a culture war on a podcast. <laughs> um, so Joe Guerrero missed a penalty and I don't think he should be apologizing oh, I don't think on Twitter about it either. We don't, yeah, we shouldn't talk about it. It was a bad penalty. People take bad penalties. If it goes in, no one's talking about it. One thing Ian mentioned actually was that what's incredible is Ed is actually Mendy. It's goalkeeper. Yeah. He does really well not to overcommit, yeah. Mendy actually goes down yeah. in a way that, you know, to the point where Aguero is almost like it's a good decision to go down the middle like that because Mendy's committed himself, but he gets back up. And we very rarely see that. We, we often see a, a goalkeeper go down and give all of themselves. And you see goal, the best goalkeepers, Casillas, they leave a part of themselves there. Like you see that, Everyone talks about the Robin um, miss in the World Cup final, but actually it's an astonishing save because the length of time that Casillas makes Robin wait mm. for him to show which position. And then, so, then Robin basically makes the best possible choice, which is go in that corner. And Casillas doesn't just stick his foot out. He doesn't. He's like, I've got enough of my body there to still make the save with my foot. Yeah, Mamon Noy is a master at that as well. Like diving yeah. one way, leaving his foot. Uh, leaving his legs there to make sure that he's kind of, it's like, it goes, I swear his legs get longer when that happens. It's really strange. Yes, yes. It's like Dal Sim in Street Fighter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh no, there's another podcast for you. Oh, no, no, oh, no, Street Fighter Street Fighter. Okay. Oh, like, fucking oh, no. sign me up. Fuck it, I'm doing it on my own. <laughs> I'm doing it on my own. I'm going to record it straight after this. Hi, welcome to the Sadio podcast. Yeah, that's right. It's me. Yeah. It's me. How are you, Ryan? Yeah, I'm fine. Thanks. How are you, Ryan? Yeah, I'm fine. Thanks. We're going to talk about Street Fighter. Hadouken, Hadouken. <laughs> Moose has got this bullshit. This is my, it's my time. 
actually, I can do that. It's like, it's like, like, it's like, like I said, another Gremlins reference. It'd be like going into the office and you fed the Gremlins after midnight and I'm just trashing the place. I'm on the table and be like, bucket Street Fighter 11. Yeah. <laughs> inject it, inject <laughs> it. Chaos, inject it. Where were we? So Mendy making Aguero's penalty miss look perhaps a little worse than it was. I mean, the, the, this is the thing. It was a crap penalty, but if it goes in, it was a good penalty. Yeah, happens. yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you saw the, I mean, we haven't even mentioned Serie A yet, but like the, the penalty for Milan. Who took the penalty? I've forgotten. Kessier. Yeah. Frank Kessier. Yeah. Not a great penalty. That was, that was no worse a penalty than, or no, uh, Aguero's was no worse than Kessier's penalty. Yeah. But because it wasn't Nicole like trying to do a dink down the middle, to be honest, actually, I think Kessier's was probably worse. <laughs> well, the only funny thing about that Kessier penalty miss was, was like, could this be the turning point? Could this be? And then Redbitch just scores one of the goals this season. Yeah. No, no, that <laughs> is a turning it's point. A, it's like, yeah. After Bram Diaz like, has yeah. already scored a worldie earlier on. Anyway, we need to talk about yeah. that in a bit. Because we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get got, to oh my God, we've still got two leagues to get through. No, three. <gasps> Good. We've got to do three oh, leagues. Three, oh my goodness. We'll be quick, we'll be quick, we'll be quick. Okay. So anyway, let's wrap up on this game. The thing about this game, I think is really important. Obviously the lineups and the systems, I think will be probably, maybe from City will be different for the Champions League final. But um, two big defeats for City against Tuchel so far, will Pep will not like this. Not at all. Oh, I just hope this doesn't bend his brain to the point where he puts out some kind of like... Experimental. Yeah. This isn't the time to drop a concept album, Pep. Mm. You know, don't do it. Because Raheem Sterling said something afterwards. He was just like, we kind of changed the system to, to go up against them. So Pep's already thinking about that. Play your game, Pep. This is the problem. Play your game. Yeah, I mean, the, like we said, though, I think it's, it's psychologically, but I think this is more of a psychological win for Tuchel over Pep as opposed to Chelsea over City, though, if that makes sense. Because I think, obviously, yeah. the personnel will be different the final. So I don't think the players will really think too much about it. This is the problem actually. And the thing that has stopped Pep previously and, you know, Grace Robertson, her brilliant newsletter at Grace and Football on Twitter wrote about this and how Pep trusting his players. And I actually worry about one thing. I worry if their failure to close this game out has a knock on at this stage, you know, these ripple effects that all matter in the run up. Like if they win this game, they get a few extra days to celebrate. They get to celebrate. They could have been all celebrating the league this weekend. Yep. Right. Having a great old time. Having beaten Chelsea, the rival that everyone knows is coming. And now they're like, Chelsea are legit in the Champions League. They're legit in the Premier League. They're legit. We've, the given them a, we've, give, we've given them a gift. Chelsea might win two trophies this season. Yeah. And we've given, after the start they had, we've given them a gift. And that, that is the problem with this. There are some results actually that are turning points. And I want to mention as well, when City beat United in the semi-final, Berbatov missed a very good chance, I think it was. And I can't remember, was it, was it the 2012 FA Cup semi-final? And it was a big, big game. I remember thinking, you don't lose those to teams like that. When teams are coming up, you can't lose those matches yeah. because you give them a taste. And once they get a taste, they go on a run. And City got a taste that year and they've never lost it. In City's defence though, I think they should have had a second penalty. Yeah, yeah, they should have. Yeah, but they're Sterling, uh, they're Sterling um, with a Zuma. Zuma one, yeah. Zuma basically, I think, collided with them maybe even a couple of times in that run. I actually think it was more of a penalty than the first one was. I agree. I completely agree. I mean, I, I can see why Sterling was aggrieved by that. Yeah, sure. I mean, if I'm being honest though, I know it was clumsy, but I wasn't 100% sure the first one was a penalty anyway. Mm. But I could see why it was given. Right, right. But I think if you give the first one and then you don't give the second one, it's just a bit like, oh, what are you doing? Yeah. Elsewhere in the Premier League, 
Bruce Ball, baby. Oh my goodness. Newcastle beating Leicester 4-2 in the King Power Stadium. 4-0 up. Joe Willock, goal machine. Do you know, this is the thing. People going, oh, Joe Willock, you know, Joe Willock returns. And I'm like, nah, I think that's a bit of a, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I saw a few people going, oh yeah, Will if Willock comes back, I was like, mm, I don't know, but why would you necessarily, why would he necessarily come back? Can I say about, about the concern I have with Leicester and West Ham as well, who also lost? I'm just a bit concerned they have these amazing seasons. They won't quite get their due. I mean, I still think Leicester are going to qualify for the Champions League. I can't see West Ham overhauling them. Mm. I'm just con- I'm concerned for West Ham as well with their bad result. Although, um, just because they've had a great, great season. Yeah. I mean, the problem is though, is that Leicester have got a horrible run. They've got Man United away, Chelsea away. Mm. And they have Spurs at home on the final day of the season. Mm. I think Spurs at home is the one that they, if, they, if it gets down to the final day of the season, I think that's the one that actually I, I would fancy them to win more. Mm. But tricky for Leicester because it's one of those that like two years in a, row, in a row now, they could miss out after being there for most of the season. Liverpool have got a game in hand. They could go three points behind. That's the one that they'll be worried about. I don't think... With all respect to West Ham fans, I don't think that's the one that they're going to worry about. I think it's Liverpool now. Mm. But just props to Newcastle. They've been on such a great run of form. The only blip on their recent record since they lost to Brighton was the defeat against Arsenal. With Newcastle, it was always a question of looking at those pieces they had, finding chemistry and just a bit more attacking enterprise. And this isn't being revisionist. This is something I looked at before. I would, I would look at Newcastle and be like, you can do more, they can do more with what they have. Mm. And they're just playing with confidence. And so sometimes, you know, it is as simple as getting a new player in. Or just players fit. Like Sam Maximan yeah, coming all time out with COVID. Having, it's like, yeah, really, you know, really bad COVID. Yeah, 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 like yeah they yeah, had yeah. that whole, the whole squad got hit with it at one point, right? There was like 19 cases in the squad or something. It's wild. But yeah, props to Newcastle, props to Steve Bruce. Also props to Bielsa and Leeds. Playing some unbelievable stuff against Spurs on Saturday, one three one. I don't really know what else we can say about Leeds that we haven't already said this season. I mean, talk about even their even their line looks good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just looking at it. Yeah, played thirty five, <laughs> won fifteen, drawn five, lost fifteen, scored thirty fifty three, conceded fifty three. It's just and and then they're on fifty points. It's just so. It, it just looks pretty. It's a really a good time pretty, it's a really pretty stat line. I love <laughs> it. I love it. There's two things about Leeds that I'm really hyped for. I'm really hyped that fans will get to see them in the Premier League mm. and they get to experience Bielsa Ball in the Premier League. And also just with the amount of clubs in Europe this season who will need to sell right, and how financially dominant the Premier League is, I do expect there to be an influx of, I mean, obviously Brexit depending, but an yeah. influx of pretty decent players into the Premier League. You know, you look at some of the players in some of the lower to well, mid-table sides in La Liga, prime example. Someone like Nebel Fekir or someone like Canales or someone like, you know, even like someone like Gerard Moreno could be tempted to the Premier League. Like, I genuinely think Leeds could get someone like Gerard Moreno. Who has oh, probably yeah, arguably been the best player in La Liga this season? Without question, they could. Danny Parejo, another one from Villarreal. Like these are these are the kind of players that I think the any Premier League club below the Champions League spots could really really attract. And you get to go and play for Bielsa in the Premier League in Leeds at Leeds with that with that fan base with that crowd. That is that is a treat. 
The only club that you need to stay away from is Athletic Club because they will fleece you. <laughs> yeah, they will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be like, sure. oh, what you want? You want our second choice left back? 73 million euros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's them. Fax it to the La Liga office. There must be a WhatsApp group where people go to complain about negotiating against Athletic Club. <laughs> Can't fuck with them, man. You can't yeah, fuck exactly. with them. <laughs> Elsewhere in the Premier League, let's round up super quick. Good win for Man United away at Villa? Yes, yes. Very good win. Are you concerned about Harry Maguire? You think he's going to miss the final? I don't know yet. Not sure yet. Wolves steady in the ship a little bit. Arsenal beating West Brom 3-1. Willian's first goal for Arsenal. It only cost him about £17 million to get there. Lovely oh, free kick, though. Thiago's first goal for Liverpool as Thiago's well. first goal for Liverpool, but quickly... Obviously, West yeah. Brom go down. I feel really sorry for West Brom fans because I think it's been a tough season for them. They never got to enjoy it either. And all, yeah, but also I think that Fire and Billich, when they did, obviously hindsight is amazing, but Fire and Billich, when they did, I don't think they needed to fire him then. And I think replacing him with Allardyce was a big, big mistake that loads of people have said all season. You mm. fire Billich after a 1-1 draw with Man City when there's so many points to play for and you still could get out of it. Yeah. Bad form from West Brom. And that's a real shame. It's a real shame because I think Billich was, wasn't doing a dreadful job. And there's something to be said for like having someone there that really cares and really gets it. Mm. Look at Norwich. Norwich went down and they're back. Yeah. They're coming back. Barker, like, yeah. You got to back people sometimes. And like, I think one thing people may be hopefully realizing in times of like great economic inequality, your coach is, is, a, key, is a key recruit a great coach can get you in and out of situations, mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. Liverpool beating Southampton 2-0. Thiago's first goal for Liverpool. Really pleased for him because he's come under weird criticism this season. I don't get it. He's just, I think he's a great player. It's Ewoking, that's what it is. Mm, it really is. Going after, yeah, it is. Yeah. Palace beating Sheffield United 2-0 away. And um, yeah, obviously, like we mentioned, Everton beating West Ham 1-0. Great win for Everton. Dominic Calvert-Lewin again. Nice finish that. We'll cover the Premier League in more detail in the next couple of weeks. We might, we might even start a show with it for a change. My goodness, yeah. Why not? Right, ever so quickly. No one wants to win La Liga, Musa. Oh my goodness. As you were at the top of the table, Barca and Atleti drawing 0-0 on Saturday at Camp Nou and then Real Madrid and Sevilla drawing 2-2 on Sunday. I've got a bit of a bone picked with Barca here quickly. Sorry, okay. Like, Obviously, I watched Barcelona quite a bit. And I've got lots of friends who are Barca fans and Barcelona got me emotionally invested in this title race. And I don't like that they did that because I was minding my own business. Diana Christine talked about this. I was minding my own business, Barcelona, and you had to go make this interesting. They made it interesting, but they lost to Granada. Okay. So they made, that was also traumatic. And then what did they do? They went and drew against Atleti and they didn't just draw against Atleti because they can never just draw against Atleti. They had to miss an amazing late chance to win it against Atleti. They had to do that. And I just thought, I don't appreciate that at all. And Real Madrid, of Are course. Are you filing a complaint? Yeah, I'm filing a complaint. No, I am because I don't appreciate it, Ryan. As a good friend of mine said, I will, <laughs> I will take my pleasures as and where I will. And the problem with Barca is I don't know if that's a pleasure I can take anywhere. And Real Madrid, so Real Madrid see Atleti draw. So actually shout out to Oblak because Oblak had a superb game. The late, I, I don't like to single out individuals, the late miss from Ousmane Dembele. I mean, the thing about that is it's that- a bad, It's a bad miss. He just it? needs to get that on target. But that's what it is, isn't it? It's a bad miss, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He needs to get it on target. Um, and that has been a little bit of a criticism I've got of Atleti and Barca this year, where you've had 
wide forwards who've got kind of senior roles in the squad who don't finish like senior players. Actually, to be honest, it's happened to an extent at Bayern, but there has been some slightly streaky finishing around the edges from from wide forwards who should be doing better. Mm. Uh, it's just one of those things, uh, but narrow margins in the league. So Atleti draw, and then that, of course, it leads to the game on the Sunday night, Real Madrid-Severe, which was amazing. hell's a-poppin'. Amazing. Hell's a-poppin'. Amazing. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. An unbelievable game of football. It was, it was. So the headline is Real Madrid 2, Sevilla 2. As you were, I suppose, pretty much at the top of uh, La Liga. Atleti top and ahead of Real. And it's, it's such a strange one because Real, so Real basically like, Sevilla go 1-0 up. Real equalise. Asensio put in by um, Bruce. Asensio brought on for Modric, actually, of all things. A minute before. Yes. Sevilla go 2-1 up with another like dead-eye penalty from Rakitic. Ivan Rakitic, yeah. slyly. Go on. Sorry, go on. No, you, no, you, you, go, like, you go. How it came about though, because it wasn't spotted and Benzema went up yes. the other end. Real Madrid went up the other end and Benzema got cleaned out. The ref gave a penalty. VAR went and he goes over to check it, to check it and he get, then gives the penalty for the handball at the other end. But he's surrounded by both benches like the pressure must have been incredible incredible what's wild about it as well is do you think it was the right decision of course it's the right decision of course I it was to, but it's going to of course it was the right decision and but I just want to talk quickly about Rakitic because Rakitic scores the penalty and he's had a varied year at some points he's been really tough in but other times he's been excellent this this guy what two straight shootout penalty uh, winners in the World Cup 2018 does it again here Bosses classicos slyly one of the biggest game players of, of his era. Rakitic comes up big at times like this. It's, he's got such a nose for it. Mm. And although Real equalised very, very late, so uh, Kroos, uh, Kroos with a deflected strike, comes off Hazard's foot. Hazard doesn't big know goal, too much about My it. God, but yeah, that's, that's a, a huge goal. goal. Huge goal. And Real could have taken it late with Casemiro, mm-hmm. but they'll be happy with the draw, frankly, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Zidane wasn't happy afterwards, though. They shouldn't really be anywhere near this title race, to be honest, considering... Neither should Sevilla. But also, though, in context, as soon as Atleti started really stuttering, and considering where Barcelona were, actually Real Madrid should be top of the league. This is the thing about La Liga. There is no right or wrong answer for who should Schrodinger's, or Schrodinger's Liga. It is, it is. <laughs> All of the top three should be top of the league, mm. and none of them should be. Yeah. But also, you were, you were kind of complaining about Barca. I want to complain about Julian Lopetegui because I flippantly threw out there, you know a thing about Sevilla ages ago when they were way behind because no one mm. wanted to win the league. And he brought them in contention, but not quite close enough. Right, right. Can you imagine if Sevilla won the league and I casually threw out a thing in like March on Stadio or April being like, how far have Sevilla back? And then they go win the league. Exactly, I'm just throwing it out there. Do you know what's funny about the Sevilla thing though? It's the frustration. It's the same with like oh, the 07 team, like the kind of, the brilliant sort of Juan de Ramos team and you just want them to get over the line because you want to see a team that plays such great football get rewarded for bringing so much to the league. Yeah, as you were at the top of La Liga. Uh, let's very, very, very quickly go to Serie A because Inter were crowned champions last week without playing. They got to celebrate it this week. However, Juventus, three games to go in the season, are currently outside of the Champions League spots after losing 3-0 at home to AC Milan. Amazing goals from Ante Rebic and Briam Diaz. Now, Nicky Bandini tweeted something really interesting about this game. This is more than a 3-0 because Juve beat Milan 3-1 at San Siro early on in the season, which means that Milan are ahead he- on the head-to-head, which is essentially buys them another point. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because you've got Napoli in the mix as well, 
you know, three games left, three points behind Milan, a point behind Napoli, our Juve. So I said that very Yodery then. <laughs> three points behind Milan and Napoli, our Juventus. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what was going on there. That's cool. I like to. But good news for Atalanta because it kind of means that they are. I mean, can you see three teams overhauling that Atalanta for a Champions League spot now? I don't think you can. Ryan, I'm keeping my mouth shut. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. What Considering, yeah, 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 yeah. Can, All I'm keeping these my mouth Atalanta fans would be like, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you were dreadful, though. A really, really poor. They were, they were. Really they poor. Were. And I think, oh, is Pirlo going to be managing Juve next season? That appointment was every bit as concerning. It's turned out to be every bit as concerning as I feared, if I'm honest. It's a big move. I mean, who's available though? It's not a beautifully balanced squad, I've got to say. It's not an ideal squad, but no. it's the kind of squad that required some very hard decisions, which were not taken. The, do you know what Juve are like at the moment? They're like someone who signed a, signed a vet to a max, like a super max contract and it's completely fucked the rest of the squad That's like the rest of the squad shot. roster we'll keep an eye on this area Champions League races very very quickly Liga PSG yes. drew away at Rennes after Lille's win on Friday night which means that Lille looked like they might win the title so they both got two so Lille and PSG are two points apart Lille top and Lille base, no, three points clear Lille they need four from four points in the last two games to be absolutely sure because PSG's goal difference is mm-hmm. vastly bigger than theirs, about sort of 12, 10 goals bigger. So now they're both playing teams that are mid, comfortably mid-table, no threat of relegation. Lille just need to keep on the front foot, I think, at this point. They need to be aggressive and just attack this. So Ren, it's a funny one. So again, we talk about PSG's discipline. PSG get Ray Card, Kimpembe. And it was Kimpembe a goes, wild tackle. You said this, you said this, this has been a problem for a while. I think you mentioned the Marseille game. Marseille game, yeah. And it's a trend where they can't impose themselves. It happened last season as well, though. And again, they didn't score from open play in this game. They got a penalty from Neymar on the stroke of half time, and they couldn't get ahead of Ren and Ren get a late equaliser 20 minutes to go. And they just, yeah, they couldn't impose themselves. And they have, like, Mbappe was out again, another key absentee for them because he's a get out of jail card because he offers so much speed from the flank. He creates space even when the team's not performing. Although, he's not there. although his form has been very patchy in the league on this season. It has, it has, but still, at a point like this, Patchy doesn't really fully matter true. in these kind of like yeah, almost true. like not these late. They're almost like knockouts. Does that yeah. make sense? They're almost like knockouts at this point. So you don't have that kind of the cheat code that, that Mbappe represents at certain points of the season. But listen, credit to Lille. Burak Yilmaz scored absolute gunslinger. This goal, the second strike, was extraordinary. Back for one last job. That is a glorious, glorious goal. There was talk about the keep having a full sight of it. I'm like, yeah, but still, I've got, a, I've kill, got a full sight of a comma. Right, 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 I've, I've got a full sight of a comma. I can't catch it. Like it is, it's there. It's kill the vibe. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, really impressive for them. And you know, I, I must say, I, I don't like to have too many favourites on this, but I just hope they hold out only because I think, in terms of result for a league as a whole, it'd be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And also, the thing as you see as well, the other clubs <laughs> always makes me laugh. It's just the disrespect. No one's scared anymore. No one's, afraid, no one's scared anymore. No. Well, I mean, Monaco, you know, Monaco yeah. won again. Um, they are still a point ahead of Lyon and they could finish back, they could come back in the Champions League next season. Isn't it interesting how, well, I mean, you could have outliers winning the league in La Liga 
you've well not I'd, I'd say you, Inter were an outlier considering they've not won a Scudetto for 11 years and you could have Lille winning league uh, three of the big five leagues in Europe could be won by non-dominant forces this year yeah yeah that's interesting really interesting um, saving the best for last before we go Zweite Bundesliga Zweite Bundesliga <laughs> I knew it Paderborn stuck eight past our <laughs> In, in hour in hour was eight three it was, was eight it, was three it? Stefan Baumgart is like he's like walking out of Paderborn like Peggy when she fight, when she leaves in the in Mad Men walking down uh, the uh, corridor with a box and a cigarette and some sunglasses on and his head uh, to toe uh, in Paderborn get up hour would two nil up that's so fun well, we, we got sent, the only reason I knew the result was because I got sent the score when I was out with Andrew the other day and like we just get this like message and Evan and the German what, and the German sort of like chat group was going wild about it um, I wish we were recording this podcast tomorrow morning maybe I'll maybe I'll make Wrighty's House this week all about the Zweite Bundesliga because the Monday night games in the Zweite Bundesliga Holstein Kiel at home against Hannover oh goodness okay highest foul at home to Nuremberg if Kiel win that they will go second with a game in hand still. So I reckon, I mean, there's nowhere else to go after the high of the Zweite Bundesliga. There is not. So I think it's probably best that we get out of it. We should do it. Let's do it. Let's bounce. Stay safe and well, everyone. Don't forget to check Wrighty's house on Wednesday with myself and Carl. Join him, Wrighty. Um, check theringer.com forward slash soccer. You can follow us on Twitter at Stadio and Instagram at Stadio Football. Check our Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Search for Stadio Outros. Speaking of which, we're playing out this episode on Warwick Hill Sounds Mass Migration. An absolute monster on Honest John's. Anything you add, want to add, Moose Wonga? No agendas this week, nothing at all. What dodgy wing rhetoric are you going to push this week? So it's pushing some narrative. No, no, I'll spare the listeners this week. When's, you, when's your second ejection? Oh my goodness. Uh, probably a couple of months from now. Okay. Yeah, but I uh, like side effects, um, after effects all worn off, bit of tiredness, but now all gone, all good. Takes got milder for a couple of days. Yeah, they did. They were very lukewarm, <laughs> actually. Were they, though? Yeah, they were. <laughs> um, stay well, everyone. We'll be back on Thursday. See you on Wright's house on Wednesday. See you then. Thank you.